Ron and Anian, don't buy a service package that talks about replacing a fuel filter at 15,000 miles if your car doesn't have one. The Car Doctor. And I think it comes down to there's manufacturer's world, there's dealer's world, and then there's real world. And I think real world takes a little bit from both, and it's somewhere in the middle. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Ronnie Nanny and the car doctor. Pull up a chair. Let's talk about your car and its problem. I'm listening. I think Fraser Crane said that. Was he real? Yeah, he wasn't, but I am. I'm Ronnie Nanny and the car doctor, and I'm here at 855-560-9900 to talk to you about your car today. And uh, talk to you about whatever it is that's bothering you, and um, let's keep it. Uh, let's keep the shiny side up, the dirty side down, and keep it motoring along the highway. That's the car doctor's mantra. We are interview free this hour. I think we're interview free both hours. I don't think we have anything to talk about except uh, go Patriots. Yeah. No. And, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. 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 I was right though, wasn't I, fellas? What happened? What happened to what happened to that game? You know what? Um, hey, the better team won. That's yeah. all I'm going to say because this yeah. is a, a, a family-oriented show. I can't say what me and Tom re- really said last it, Sunday. It, it really, it really was interesting. Like you thought the first quarter, the middle of the second quarter, like they were going to pull it out, and then it, like it went downhill really yeah, that quick. Hail Mary pass uh, that just did it. And, yeah, uh, you know, very bluntly, the pack wanted it better, yeah. wanted it more. Yeah, they really did. So, but uh, more power to them, and uh, let's get behind Green Bay now. Yes. Let's let's go for Green Bay. Yes, Green Bay all the way. Green Bay all the way. So, so. our Wisconsin callers, please give us a call right yeah, now. Especially we want to hear from you. We're, we're all for Green Bay. Yes. yes. Um, especially in the face of if it's Green Bay, Dallas, or the Patriots, which one of those? I'm, Tom and I are going for Green Bay oh, all the way. Bet. Yeah, we got to go for Green no, Bay. No New England, oh. no Dallas. No Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Besides, we're not on in Dallas except that they're podcasting, so that's okay. We can be Okay, supportive. so what? We're, we're still not going right, for Dallas. That's, nobody will ever know. So, and anyway. Um, we are interview-free this hour now that Tony's Giants rant. And that's the last you'll hear about the Giants until next season um, because I think Tony's going to go into his winter hibernation and um, <clears throat> be upset. So, But uh, this radio show is really about fixing cars. It's not a sports show. And, um, you know, cardoctorshow.com is where you'll find more information, podcasts. And I, I really appreciate the effort lately. If you are podcasting and you have the ability when you podcast to click subscribe, from your podcast device, please click subscribe. It does help us. Uh, you know, we can go back to the sponsors and say, hey, you know, um, let's face it, there's a business side to this, and we can say, hey, you know, these are the listeners we have, and, um, you know, it helps us be here and continue to be here, and, um, you know, it helps pay the bills and keeps the lights on, as they say. Speaking of keeping the lights on, that was a segue, but I'm a radio veteran. That's smooth. 2012 Honda CRV. You know how you can tell when the customer is in trouble more than the car when it's a 2012 Honda CRV with 44,000 miles on it. And the guy from AAA is telling her, Oh, it needs an alternator. I diagnosed it in your driveway. Yeah. You know what? 
shut up, put the car in the back of the flatbed and bring it to me. You're not qualified to diagnose it. You're driving the tow truck. And I'm not saying that the tow truck driver isn't qualified, but in all cases, just do your job. Just bring me the car. 2012 Honda CRV broke down in the customer's driveway. It had a case of an intermittent dead battery where it required it needed to be jump started. And they jump started, and the car drove fine for a day or two. And then it would, next day or day, two days later, it would just not start and have to be jumped again. So they, at, 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 at my behest, they brought the car in and I went to look at it and diagnose it. And, you know, it was interesting. I have four battery testers in the shop. Four. I have a toaster oven. I have a, an, an analog um, uh, device, just a regular carbon pile load. I've got the OTC Minuteman, which is a higher form version of the smart analog uh, type. With, it puts a fixed carbon pile load on it. And I've got another one, which is doing that digital algorithm mathematical test. Out of the four battery testers I have, Three of the four pronounced this battery good. But in looking at the numbers, I knew there was something wrong. The battery's cold cranking amps, or CCA, was 410. The rating after each test, depending upon where it was in the cycle of the test, 251 was 263. The one that caught my eye was the one, quote-unquote, smart tester that tested the battery with a rating of 410 tested at the 263 CCAs, pronounced it a good battery at a 46% state of charge. And I said, how can that be? It's got, it's got, you know, it's got almost, it's almost lost 50% of its charge capacity, capacitance, and it's, no, that can't be. I went and got out, and the only device I had, you know, we, we sometimes you over-test. So I got out the only device I had at the old school, down and dirty, Plain and simple, carbon pile load. I did what they taught me a million years ago. Hook it up, crank the knob. It's got to hold more than 10.5 volts for a 20-second period. Sure enough, cranked it up, turned it down, dropped to 9.8, bad battery. Put a battery in the car. Now, I should tell you that prior to doing this, we also obviously checked the charging system. And I'm always skeptical, 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 skeptical. It's got to be one of those choices. Put whatever word you want in that blank, folks. Fill it in. It's 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 always skeptical to test a charging system with a weak battery because you're never quite sure what the alternator is really trying to do. And you don't want to second guess this. The charging rate on this Honda CRV that the guy from AAA said, oh, you need a battery or you need a, you need an alternator, was 12.5 volts and dropping 12.5, 12.4. And I and it was it it there was no alternator output, but the little voice in the back of my head kept going. Well, ah, it can't be. It's only four years old. It's only got forty five thousand miles on it. How can it? How can it need an alternator at this point in the game? Uh, you know, and as much as I'd love to pick on Honda, but uh, you know, I give them credit. They do make a good product. That you know, not at, not less than fifty thousand miles. I don't. I, I, what are their percentages? So I went and did a little further digging, a little more research, and. It turns out, anybody want to guess? Car didn't need an alternator. To properly test the charging system on a, this Honda CRV, and I should point out, this is getting to be quite the norm with Honda. Hondas of this generation, and this is on Accord CRVs, uh, Civics, they run a one wire 
alternator to control what the alternator does and how it does it. So it's it's a one wire, it's a CAN bus communication control area network with digital signals on it that is controlling the way the regulator operates and functions inside the alternator. It's controlled by the uh, PCM, by the main engine computer. And depending upon, and, and dig this, look at how smart they're getting. In the sake of fuel economy, they turn off the charge rate or they bring it down to a very low level in the interest of fuel economy. And then depending upon the load that's on the system, they'll turn the charging system up. If you do a little research, and it's not easy to find, but if you do a little research, it tells you that turning the headlights on activates the charging system to do the test sitting at idle in the bay. Sure enough, turn the charging system on and boop, 14.2 volts like it was nothing. Took the car for a ride. Took the car for a ride. This is after I did the battery at this point. Took the car for a ride. And even with the headlights off, cruising down the road at 35 miles an hour, watching it on a scan tool, graphing it out. Uh, one of the things I love using the Launch X431 Pro. Boy, here's a case for graphing. You know, just just that tool works like a champ. It it graphed each and every PID. There were six PIDs I had up. It graphed each and every one as far as the information I was looking for. But I watched specifically the charge rate. And I, you know what? I have the ability. I will upload that to Facebook uh, this week, I promise. And uh, I'll, I'll show you some pictures. But you could see it. The minute you turn on the headlights, bang, charge rate. Turn the headlights off. Go down the road. Put your foot through the headlight. And you could see the charge rate go up as the demand went up. I mean, look at how they're controlling things. And my point is, other than just an opening rant, and other than to tell you how complicated cars are, but you're you're, you're listening to the show, so you have good taste, you're smart enough to realize that, that you can't judge anything by what you see. You can't assume that because cars for the last 98 years had charging systems that put out more than battery voltage doesn't mean the next time you see one that that's correct and that's the way it's supposed to operate. The only thing you can assume when you're working on a car is you're going to have to spend some time reading and doing research, and that's really what it's all about. Let the car go. Put a battery in it. Let the car go. And um car's been fine. That was Tuesday. Hello and welcome to the Car Doctor. I'm Ron Ananian. By the way, I am I am shopping for uh, new charging, new battery testers, um, and that's no lie. I I called up manufacturers and everybody said, yeah, the new one, the technology and blah, you know, and, you know. It's sort of like um, listening to politicians talk. I uh, um, I was I was really amazed, but we are shopping now for a couple of new battery testers in the shop because, you know, it's just everything is getting that much fussier. Everything is getting that much more involved and in depth. And that's just the way the industry is leading us. So um, just be aware that never assume, never believe what you see in front of you until you check it out further and deeper. And that's the moral of that story. 855-560-9900. I see the phones are lit up. Let me pull over and take the pause for the cause. And when I return, we'll kick the garage doors wide open. I'm Ron Ananian. Stay tuned. Welcome 
Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to Lou in Iowa, 2008 Nissan Rogue 2.5 and some spark plug issues. Lou, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Good afternoon, Ron. What's the secret to remove or change spark plugs in that engine to get the coil packs off the top of the plug? Um, it's easy. You, you drive down to your local mechanic. And you leave them the car right. and you come back about eight hours later. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a little involved, um, Lou. It's it's no kidding. It's it's a tough one. The intake manifold hangs over the top of the engine on this, correct? Over the top of this, no, over the top of the cylinder no, head. No, it actually actually have good accessibility to take out these each bolt over the top of each plug. So it's similar to a Honda one six engine with the spark plugs down the middle of the of the head on the top side, but. Right, but isn't but isn't the coil isn't packs will not go ahead. Those coil packs, I cannot get them out. I've talked to Nissan. I think they want two or three hundred dollars to change the plugs in that engine. I don't want to do it. Well, when you say you can't get them out, what they're stuck in the head? They seem like they're stuck in the head. Those coil packs. No, if you've if you've unbolted them, they should lift out. But they won't. They will not come out. Will, They'll separate. Will, actually, will they? Will they? Will they twist? One one did, but the others seem like they won't even twist that rubber sealer around them or that rubber boot. Yeah. Then the only thing that holds them in. Hundred eighty. Hundred eighty some thousand on the engine. We bought the vehicle last October, and I don't think the plugs have been changed. Yeah, probably not. Have you, have you, you've, you've taken, I'm just going to ask the stupid questions from my seat here, Lou. You've taken the 10-millimeter bolt out, the 6-millimeter bolt, 10-millimeter head, out of the coil holding it right. in the head. Yep. And Correct. And that's the only thing holding it in. Unplug it electrically, give it a twist, and it should come out. Yeah, that's according to, the, I think, my manual. I have either Haynes or the other manual. Right. That's what they say to do, but it doesn't work. Yeah, there's no, there's no magic, <laughs> there's no magic pill there, my friend. You know, if okay. it, it just be that the coils are stuck in the head for some reason, you may end up having to replace coils at this point. Just I be aware. I don't want to do that. That's, they're terribly expensive, I well, think, each coil. What you want to do and what the car wants dealer. to do is two different stories. Well, and listen, the dealer may end up breaking the coils. There's no magic pillar. Right. It, it, it happens. Correct. You know? You're, yeah. So at 180,000 miles, eight years old, um, it's just expect anything. Expect the unexpected. Well, that's that's probably good advice. How many miles can we expect out of this vehicle with the timing chain instead of the belt? Uh, chains on those. Listen, just because it's a chain doesn't mean it ever goes. It doesn't ever go bad. Uh, I, I see probably right. I see probably as as many problems with vehicles with timing chains as I did with belts nowadays. It seems it seems that the extended oil drain intervals are, in my opinion, part of the cause for some of these timing chain components to wear out. You know, a matter of fact, we just posted something up on the Facebook page last month about a Nissan Xterra that I did chains on that the guides physically wore out. It was just like a nylon shoe that the chain Boy. running over the top, it just wore it out. So, you know, one of the ways we tell on the Nissans that's getting to be common is if when you start it and run it, if it's got a howl to it or a whine, to it that sounds like a supercharger chances are that's the chain that's the guides themselves mm. worn out and they're in need of replacement so the answer to the okay. question is how far can the car go as far as you want to take it it just takes money to get it there no sim no simple that's solutions Lou. Too. yeah there's no 
it's had regular oil changes, so that should help us. They've right. been, the yep. previous owners are very good about changing oil. I can I can convince you to put money in that car very easily. You want to, you want to know how you do it? Well, there's two things. Number one, I'm con- number one, I'm concerned about rust and what what the bottom of the vehicle looks like. And as long as that passes test and that looks okay, the easiest way to justify in your mind to spend money on your car to to repair it is to go price a new one. Nothing- right, you better believe it. it's it's a sound car. It's it's very little rust on the vehicle right. under on the underside. We had to rechange a muffler, but. That's that's routine. Right. It's it's you know there there are times there's a time and a place to buy a new car, but not doing maintenance and thinking ah it's time to replace the car. I don't know if that works every time in my mind. I think cars today are made too well. Okay. Well, thank you, Ron, and happy New Year. You too, sir. Good luck to you, and uh, I hope it all works out for you. Um, you know that's that's really an issue, as far as you know when and how and where and why. Hey, real quick before we uh, come up on the bottom of the hour. Did anybody read the news this week? <laughs> anybody see the thing about Fiat? Fiat Chrysler? EPA, Fiat Chrysler software enabled emissions cheating. Do I smell Volkswagen here? Is this, is this, and it's an interesting article. The Environmental Protection Agency accused Fiat Chrysler on Thursday of installing software that enables certain diesel trucks to emit far more pollutants than emission laws amount that allow the company denied those accusations. Of course they did saying its software meets regulatory requirements. The vehicles involved were the 2014-16 to 16 model year Dodge Ram pickups and Jeep Grand Cherokees with 3-liter diesel engines. The allegations affect roughly 104,000 vehicles. That's the part I don't get. I don't get why Chrysler, you know, you look at it, three model years of vehicles, Ram pickup trucks and Jeep Grand Cherokees, they only sold 104,000 of those vehicles with diesels? How do you justify even coming up with the tooling and the engineering to create that car? But, yeah, the great article. Um, Fiat Chrysler's in trouble. They're, they're, they're likening it to the level of Volkswagen, in a sense, in scale. And I've got to tell you, Chrysler does not have the pocketbook that, that Volkswagen has. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one unfolds. Um, I happen to know somebody. Matter of fact, the lady at the deli that makes me breakfast on Friday. She owns one of these diesel Jeeps, and all she ever tells me is it hardly ever runs. It's the biggest piece of junk she ever bought, so they can't be great vehicles. It's um, it's interesting to see and watch. Hey, I'm Ron and and The Car Doctor. We're coming back to keep on traveling. Stay with us. I'll be back right after this. back. Ron and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Got a problem? Give me a call. Remember, 855-560-9900 is 24-7. You can call that number anytime, day or night. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. But you can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. Leave a message if we're not on the air, and we will call you back and get you in queue for the following week's live broadcast. And also, if you're podcasting the show, and according to the numbers, you you're the podcast numbers keep growing. It's really amazing. Makes you wonder where terrestrial radio is going to end up being. But uh, in the future, you can see that with podcasting, if you are podcasting the show, keep in mind, you can call 855-560-9900 Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Or anybody can. It doesn't matter. And um, even if we're not on in your market and you're listening via the stream or whatever, 
You can call the 855 number uh, anytime, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and get up here and get on live, and we can talk to you about your car problem. Hey, let's kick the, let's kick those doors back open. Let's go over to Chuck in Ansonia, Connecticut, 08 Chevy HHR. Chuck, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Um, I got the, um, the Chevy that uh, the brake light comes on, and I think it's causing the computer to kick off the ABS and traction. But it comes on whenever it's cold. Uh, I just got back from a 500-mile round trip for parts on my hot rod, and um, it was on until the temperature reached over 32 degrees and then went off. Um, the car is due for a brake flush. Could the moisture be causing? I don't know what new sensors they have on the brake system. No, I don't. Think, I don't. I don't know of anything temperature-wise. When you say the brake light, you're talking the red brake light or the ABS warning light on the dash. Uh, the re- the red brake light. Okay. Have you checked brake fluid level? Yes. I, w- I went to start to flush the uh, last weekend, and I uh, got two of the bleeders to work. A couple of them are stuck, so I have to finish that off. But I you know, made sure I'm topped off. But the brake, so, flu- the brake fluid level is good? Yes. Okay. You know, the red brake light by itself, there's only a couple of things that make that come on. One's parking brake. The other is fluid level. The other is the fluid sensor. Uh, if there was a fault in the ABS or in the computer side, if we can call it like that, of the brake system, meaning the ABS, there would be a fault code and the dash light would be lit up in this particular case. Yeah, I haven't checked too much into it, but uh, the parking brake, that causes the um, – it sends, puts a message up on the screen, so I know it's not that sensor. Right, right. Uh, the level is good. Um you know, unless it, unless the fluid is really gummy and yucky, for a non-technical term, and it, it's it's got a sensor issue, but there just isn't a whole lot more to this system other than that. Okay. Yeah, I, it, 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 they were kind of black when it, uh, I uh, bled the front brakes, uh, but I'll look into that. I don't have a scanner to um, check into that. Let me let um, me let me ask you this, Chuck. When you take the, is this a screw-on cap master or is this a lift-off cap? Uh, screw on. Screw off cap. So when you look at this, there's a front half and a back half. You sure there's fluid in both levels of the reservoir to equal height? Uh, it um, goes under the cowl, so I haven't really looked. Right. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of tough to see. Yeah. And and what I my what my experience has been, if the brake fluid is dark, as you're saying, sometimes it puts a residue line on the side of the master, and you can't. You know, you think it's up to that level, but it's not. Yeah, well, I was, uh, for the level, I was looking at where it, um, where I pour it in. Right. And it's, a, you know, well, any more it comes out. Right, but just keep in mind, if you're looking at the front half, the part you can see, right. there's more of that plastic reservoir under the cowl area that you can't see. So you've, you've got to look back there as well just to be sure that that's up to... And I'm sh- it, it probably is, but again, we're just trying to be you know as thorough yep. as we can. Yeah, well, I'll check that, and I'll uh, flush my brakes and go from there. The other issue I have on the car is all four tires wear on the inside. Okay. And I've uh, replaced the front uh, components with Moog uh, and all that, but I was rotating the tires, and I noticed the tires, they're one, they're 245s, but they won't stand up. They'll fall over if you leave them set there. Um, and they all four fall over to the outside, and they're all wearing on the inside. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what falling over 
designates. I've never done well, that it's, test. I mean, it's a pretty wide tire, and right. you would think that you could put, you know, put the tire on the ground, stand it up, let go, and it would stand up. But it falls over to the outside. I would think it depends on how much air you got in the tire. I've never done that test in 43 years, Chuck. I've always, you know, it's it's because if you look at a tire, a tire is a little bulged in the middle. I don't know of any right. tire when it's got, you know, it's pressure in it, 30, 40, whatever it is. It's always bulged in the middle a little bit because it's got to compensate. you got to realize when you put the weight of a vehicle on it, when you put two tons of pressure on those four tires, it's going to level it out and, you know, make it sit square to the ground because loaded weight is different than unloaded. So I don't know that that would be I don't know that that would be a good judgment of that. What I would tell you is if the tires are continually wearing the inside edges, is it all four tires wear the inside edges, or is it that as you rotate them through, the inside edges of the fronts now to the back, it looks like all four, but it's really not. Do we have a toe in issue? Do we have a toe issue up front, or an, or, or or some other alignment issue, or do we have an alignment issue on the vehicle overall? Yeah, I think it would have to be overall because I've replaced, like I said, I replaced all the control arms and uh, all the suspension components. Well, uh, no, not added aligned. Okay, now who did the alignment? Um, I usually go to the uh, local Firestone shop. Okay, Um, if they're the only guys doing the alignment, yes. All right, do you get a printout before and after? Yep. All right, does it show that it's in a line? Yes, everything's in the green. I do have an issue on one of the backs where it's just barely within tolerance, but okay. there's not that much of a uh, adjustment they can do on that. Well, how how long has how long has the car been doing this tire wear issue? Really, years. I've, I've been right. it's one of the things I've been fighting with the car. Okay, tell them to look on their alignment machine. Mm-hmm. Chances are that there's a way in a spec they might have to remove something and put on a couple of add-on shims or make some modifications to it. But I I almost be willing to bet that there is a way to adjust those rear alignment angles that aren't adjustable. Okay. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, sir. Good luck to you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're coming back right after this. Running the Indian Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Call in now, 24-7 number, by the way. Keep in mind, I know I've said that, that if you're looking for us and uh, we're not not available, we're not around in your time zone when you're there, if you call 855-560-9900, leave a message, and we will call you back and get you in line up for the next live show, Saturdays 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, out on the network, Eastern Time. And keep in mind, we are streaming from cardoctorshow.com. You can pick up the live stream of the show Saturdays. And I think that... Tom, the uh, stream is available all the time. Not the stream, but that the the server is putting the show out uh, online at uh, all the time at cardoctorshow.com, isn't it? Can you nod your head? Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, right. Tom is uh, in the middle of something technical. Um, I notice. How is that tuna fish sandwich? So let's uh, let's get over to line one and see what's going on with Nicholas in Fort Lauderdale. Nicholas, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? 
Oh, hi, Ron. Um, yes, sir. I just want to say I'm, uh, I'm glad I found your show on the Internet. Uh, I used to listen in New York about 10 years ago. Okay. I, I learned a lot from your show. Thank you, sir. <laughs> for basic car, car knowledge. Sure. Um, I, I know I pro you probably talk a lot about Volkswagen, but I was wondering if you know if it's a bad car to invest in in 2017. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'll tell you what, Nicholas. <laughs> I, I, let me ask you this question. How bad do you want a Volkswagen? Well, I re I've always liked the Jetta for some reason. I have a 2007 Cobalt, Chevy Cobalt now. Right. I, I keep up with the maintenance, but right. I'm just, like, I'm bored of driving it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, and, and all fair points. Who's going to work on the Volkswagen? Uh, that's what I was hoping you would know. Is it hard to find a Volkswagen mechanic in Florida? Well, and the, the key comes to that Volkswagen and, and, and their technology – it requires somebody, you know, I won't say they've got to have blonde hair, blue eyes, but they've got to be close to it. Right. They've got to be from the fatherland, so to speak. <laughs> uh, you know, they've got, to, they've got to walk the walk and talk the talk because they are a very specific yeah. car. They're very particular. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's – and, and that's exactly what it is. When the local Volkswagen dealer up here has issues fixing Volkswagens, and right. I see that firsthand. My sister owns a Beetle, and yeah. to, to this day – or they haven't been able to fix the car. So when when her car when it's cold out, her yeah. do, her doors freeze, and their answer was when you park the car the night before, use the remote start to set it up, put the heat on, start the car for twenty minutes. That'll thaw the car out. That way he can get the doors open so he can go to work. And I said, Well, that's stupid. <laughs> I said, Really? That's their answer? She said, Yeah. Why? Isn't yeah. that okay? Well, you know, I. <sighs> So, you know, a Volkswagen is only as good as the guy working on it, like any other car. The question yeah. is, who's going to work on it? When they're new, they're great. They really are. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. They're a blast to drive. As long as you get a good one, they're a nice yeah. car. A um, lot of right. good engineering, a lot of good conceptual, practical, you know, thought goes into building a Volkswagen. Fixing right. them, it gets to be expensive as the car's age. Uh, yeah. You know, to me, in my experience, they're not the cheapest thing to keep on the road. But then, to a large degree, what is? Um, I will right. say this: their engines, their engines are great. They're, you know, yeah. you'll take the engine apart at 150,000 miles; it's still got the cross hatch in the cylinder walls. They're just seating the rings. But the rest right. of the car, the electronics. It, it, yeah, it, I heard a bit about electric yeah, problems. It 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 can be, it can be an issue. Uh, but, you know, right. most important, I think Volkswagen is clearly one of those cars that, yeah, the guy that's working on it, this is not what I'll call a gas station car. You can't take it down right. to Bob's, and, you know, Bob's got the kid working the pumps, and he's servicing your Volkswagen on the side. You know, then again, what is today? Not that a lot yeah. of cars are like that today, but it's just it's just getting very particular. So yeah. I, I think to answer your question in all fairness, Nicholas, I think it really comes down to, you know, my opinion, it's not for the faint of heart. You've you've got to be willing to pay for it and enjoy it, and that's okay. Right. Life's too short. I say that all the time. You, you know what? If, know. If, if if you really want a Volkswagen, I say get a Volkswagen. I You know what? Drive Do you it. Think, enjoy, um, enjoy it. Okay. I, I assume the same the same answer would be if I asked you about a Mazda because that's a very unique car too. I I would imagine so. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I think Mazda's a little bit more independent repair shop friendly than Volkswagen. 
Right. All right. It's a Japanese see, car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, a lot of it too is you know how how readily available is information. For right. me, right now, for me in North Jersey, yeah. it's it's difficult finding a Volkswagen dealer that can get me parts. <laughs> All right, crazy. It, it's it's not the yeah. easiest thing in the world to get parts for, as funny as that sounds. And you know, it's just I'm not, I can't explain it. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. But you I know, just have to move to Germany. That's all. Well, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that yet. I. Um, but you know, when it comes to Mazda, my Mazda dealer is great. Again, who's yeah. going to work on it? Where are we getting parts from? That's the key. Right. And and that's right. You know, and and I I I can't say it's just this one Volkswagen dealer. I I hear it's stories about it's a lot of the Volkswagen dealers in the area. So right. just you know what, do some research on the dealer, whichever you're going to buy, and and kind of go from there. But. You know, real real quick, Nicholas. How old are you? Yeah, uh, thirty five. Okay, buy buy the Volkswagen. You'll feel good about it. You'll get rid of it by the time you're forty. Well, I was hoping to keep it for ten years because my car now is ten years old. <laughs> All right. Well, that you may not be able to do, but that'll determine by right. be determined by who works wow. on it. All right, kiddo. Wow. That's that's good to know. I didn't realize it would yeah. only last me five years. <laughs> well, it's after five years, the cost to repair gets very expensive in my in yeah. in, in my experience. Right. So. All right, sir. I got to go. I'm up against the clock. Thanks for calling, Nicholas, and uh, good luck in your motoring ways. 855-560-9900. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anini, the car doctor. I'm thinking back over the calls this hour. We had Chuck from Connecticut with the HHR uh, talking about the alignments. And I just want to stress this before we leave this hour because I hear this far too often. I've been taking the car in for alignment. They did the alignment. Everything was in the green, but the tires still wear funny and there's nothing more they can do. That's wrong. All right. In the case of his HHR, there are front camber bolts that can be replaced that give you a better or give you adjustable alignment beyond just toe. And in the rear, there are parts that can be replaced to give you alignment beyond just toe, if that. And my point is, <laughs> some alignment places are doing a toe and go. They're charging you a flat fee. They're doing the $69.95 oil, uh, alignment, the $89.95 alignment, the $39.95 alignment, whatever ridiculous price they've come up with to, to lure you in the door to get you in as a loss leader. Let me explain it to you like this. An alignment machine, a decent alignment machine in today's dollars is about 40 grand. All right. Start thinking about how are they making money to keep the lights on, feeding everybody and staying in business, doing alignments for 75 bucks a throw. If that's the average number. An alignment typically takes 45 minutes to an hour, depending upon what adjustments have to be made. There's got to be a return on investment for that piece of equipment. It's, it's the cost of doing business. Now, if you can't understand that, then you've got to get used to it because understand, the next generation, the coming generation of four-wheel alignment machines is $70,000. $70,000. Think about that. How are they going to do that? How are the tow-and-go alignment places going to survive 
charging $70 a pop for an alignment, it's going to cost them money. It's costing them money now. It's going to cost them more money. So my point is, if you go to a tow-and-go and they tell you that's it, it's in the green, take it somewhere else or tell them, look on the machine, because chances are there's a way to do that adjustment. It's just going to take more time and more money and more effort. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 